Chapter Twenty Four of Jewish Fairy Tales and Legends. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Jewish Fairy Tales and Legends by Gertrude Landa. Chapter Twenty Four The Princess of the Tower. Princess Solima was sick, well, not exactly ill, but so much out of sorts that her father, King Zullerman, was both annoyed and perturbed. The princess was as beautiful as a princess of those days should be. Her long tresses were like threads of gold. Her blue eyes rivaled the color of the sky on the balmiest summer day, and her smile was as radiant as the sunshine itself she was learned and clever too and her goodness of heart gained for her as great a renown as her peerless beauty despite all this princess solima was not happy indeed she was wretched to despondency and her melancholy weighed heavily upon her father what ails you my precious daughter he asked her a hundred times but she made no answer she just sat and silently moped she did not waste away which puzzled the physicians she did not grow pale which surprised her attendants and she did not weep which astonished herself but she felt as if her heart had grown heavy as if there was no use in anything the king squared his shoulders to show his determination and summoned his magicians and wizards and sorcerers and commanded them to perform their arts and solve the mystery of the illness of princess solima a strange crew they were ranged in a semicircle before the king there was the renowned astrologer from egypt a little man with a humpback the mixer of mysterious potions from china a long lanky yellow man with tiny eyes the alchemist from arabia a scowling man with his face almost concealed by whiskers there was a greek and a persian and a phoenician each with some special knowledge and fearfully anxious to display it they set to work one studied the stars another concocted a sweet-smelling fluid a third retired to the woods and thought deeply a fourth made abstruse calculations with diagrams and figures a fifth questioned the princess's handmaidens and the sixth conceived the brilliant notion of talking with the princess herself he was certainly an original wizard and he learned more than all the others then they met in consultation and talked foreign languages and pretended very seriously to understand one another one said the stars were in opposition another said he gazed into a crystal and had seen a glow-worm chasing a hippopotamus which a third interpreted as meaning the princess would die if the glow-worm won the race rubbish exclaimed the magician who had spoken to the princess likewise stuff and nonsense and the equivalent thereof in the seventy unknown languages this was an impertinent comment on their divinations and so they listened seriously the princess he said is just tired that is a disease which will become popular and fashionable as the world grows older and more people amass riches 
she is sick of being waited on hand and foot and bowed down to and all that sort of thing she has never been allowed to romp as a child to choose her own companions and the rest of it therefore she is bored with all the etceteras the case is comprehensible and comprehensive it needs the exercise of imagination stimulated by prescience conscience patience the others yawned and began to collect dictionaries and fearing that they might be tempted to fling them at him after they had found the meaning of his big words he ceased i agree said the president of the assembly the oldest wizard only i diagnose the disease in simpler form the princess is in love well that set them all jabbering together and they finally agreed to report to the king that the time had arrived when the princess should marry so that she should be able to go away to a new land amid other people and different scenes the king agreed reluctantly for he dearly loved his daughter and wished her to remain with him always if possible heralds and messengers were sent out far and wide and very soon a procession of suitors for the princess's hand began to file past the lady they were princes of all shapes and sizes of all complexions and colors some were resplendent with jewels others were followed by retinues of slaves bearing gifts a few entered the competition by proxy that is they sent somebody else to see the lady first and pronounce judgment upon her these she dismissed summarily declaring that they were disqualified by the rules of fair play when all the entrants had been inspected by the king he said to his daughter pick the one you love the best solima dear none she answered promptly dear dear me this is very awkward we shall have to return the entrance fees i mean the presents he said the prospect did not seem to worry the princess in the least nor did her father's appeal not to belittle him in the eyes of his fellow monarchs have the slightest effect on her at least he said growing impatient tell me what you do want i will marry any man she replied while he wondered gravely what else she could have said who is not such a fool as to think himself the only person in the world who is of consequence the king was not without wisdom and he knew that this remark is foolish or sensible according to the mood in which it is said and the thoughts behind it you do not regard any one of the princes the king said gently as worthy of any woman interrupted his daughter listen my father you have tried to make me happy always and until recently you have succeeded i wish to obey you in all things even in the choice of a husband would you really have me marry any one of these fools be not angry did any one reveal a gleam of wisdom or common sense were they not all just ridiculous fops let me enumerate there was prince hafiz who talked only of his wars of the men ay and women and children his soldiers had butchered the soldiers fought and prince hafiz posed before me as a warrior and hero i will not be queen in a land where people cannot live in peace then there was prince aziz who boasted that he spends all his life with his horses and dogs and falcons in the hunting field 
he knows the needs of beasts but not of men i will not be the bride of a prince who allows his subjects to starve in wretchedness and poverty while he enjoys himself with the slaughter of wild beasts prince guzman had nothing else to impart to me but his taste in jewels and dress prince abdul knew exactly how many bottles of wine he drank daily but he could not tell me how many schools there were in his city prince hassan had not the slightest notion how the majority of his people lived whether by trading or thieving or working or begging king zulaman listened intently this was a singular speech for a princess but reason told him this was profoundest wisdom oh i am tired burst out princess solima in tears i have no desire for life if it be a ruler over men and women and children means that you must take no interest in their welfare my father hearken i will not be queen in a land where the king thinks the people live only to make him great i shall be proud and happy to reign where the king understands that it is his duty to make his people happy and his country prosperous and peaceful the king left his daughter and deeply concerned sought his wizards my daughter has been born thousands of years before her time he declared petulantly the stars have played a trick on me and have sent me my great-great-great-great ever so much great-granddaughter out of her turn the magicians did not laugh at this they thought it a wonderfully sage remark and after much mysterious whispering among themselves and consultation of old books and gazing into crystals they informed the king that the stars foretold that princess solima would marry a poor man they flattered themselves on their cleverness in arriving at this conclusion which they deduced from the princess's contempt for princes king zulliman's patience was exhausted by this time in a towering rage he told his daughter what the wizards had said and when she merely said how nice he swore he would imprison her in his fortress in the sea his majesty meant it too and at once had the fortress which stood on a tiny island miles from land luxuriously furnished and fitted up for his daughter's reception thither she was conveyed secretly one night but to her father's disgust she made no protest i shall be free for a while she said of all the absurd flummery of the palace the people were sad when the princess disappeared she had been good and kind to them had understood them and they did not know whether she had died or had deserted them without a word of farewell though that was hardly possible all that they knew was that the king suddenly became morose and sullen strangely enough he began to take an interest in the poor he asked them funny questions for a king how did they earn money what was their occupation had they any pleasures and what were their thoughts young people laughed but old men said the king intended to promote laws which would do good anyway the king's interest did make his subjects happier and the officers of state became very busy with projects and schemes for improving trade providing work and for educating children they do say remarked one old woman who kept an apple stall in the market-place that a law will be passed that the sun should shine every day 
and that it should never rain on the days of the market ah that will be good and she rubbed her hands at the prospect of not having to crouch under a leaky awning when the rain came pelting down or over a tiny fire in a brass bowl in the winter to thaw her frozen and benumbed hands even the laborers in the field who were mainly dull-witted people with no learning whatsoever heard the news and they actually pondered over it and wondered whether it meant that they would never more be hungry and wretchedly clad one who thought deeply was a shepherd lad he loved to bask lazily in the sun to listen to the birds chirruping and to all the sounds of the air and the fields and the forests he seemed to understand them the murmuring of the brooks on a warm day was like a gentle cradle song lulling him to sleep on a day when the wind howled its sulky growl as it dashed over the stones warned him that floods might come and that he must move his flocks to safer ground i wonder he mused if i should learn to read the written word and even to pen it myself i could then write the song of the brook and the birds so that others should know it and musing thus he fell asleep he slept longer than usual and when he awoke he was alarmed to see that the sun had set darkness was falling fast and he had his flock to see safely home the cows and sheep had begun to collect themselves as a matter of habit and it was their noise that woke him they were already trudging the well-known route and all he had to do in following was to see that none strayed or tumbled into the brook all went well until he came in sight of home and then a huge bird a ziz bigger than several houses appeared in the sky and swooped down on the cows and sheep the shepherd beat the monster off as long as he could with a big stick while the affrighted animals scampered hastily homeward the ziz however was evidently determined not to be balked of its prey it dug its talons deep into the flanks of an ox that had stampeded in the wrong direction and was lagging behind the others the poor animal bellowed in pain and the shepherd rushing to the rescue seized it by the forelegs as it was being raised from the ground curling his leg round the slender trunk of a tree the young man began a struggle with the ziz the mighty bird its eyes glowing like two signal lamps tried to strike at him with his tremendous beak one stroke of which would have been fatal in the fast gathering darkness it missed fortunately for the shepherd but the thrust of the beak caught the upper part of the tree trunk it snapped under the blow and the shepherd was compelled to release his hold he still gripped tightly the four legs of the ox but with naught now to hold it back the great bird had no difficulty in rising into the air before he fully grasped what had happened the shepherd found himself high above the trees to release his hold would have meant destruction he held on grimly clutching the legs of the ox with all his might and even swinging up his feet to grip the hind legs of the animal higher and higher the ziz rose into the air spreading its vast wings majestically and flying silently and swiftly over the land it made the shepherd giddy to glance down at the ground scurrying rapidly past far below him so he closed his eyes but opening them again for a moment he was horrified to notice that the bird was now flying over the sea on which the moon was shining with silvery radiance with a heavy sigh he gave himself up for lost 
and began to consider whether it would be better to release his hold and fall down and be drowned rather than be devoured by the gigantic bird before he could make up his mind the bird stopped and the shepherd was bumped down on something with such violence that for a moment he was stunned looking around when he regained his senses he saw that he was on top of a tower in the sea beside him was the carcass of the ox above them stood the ziz its eyes glowing like twin fires its beak thrust down to strike with a quick movement the shepherd drew his knife which he carried in his girdle and struck at the opening of the descending beak the bird uttered a shrill cry of pain as the knife pierced its tongue and in a few moments it had disappeared into the air so swift was its flight that almost instantly it was a mere speck in the moonlit sky thoroughly exhausted the shepherd slept until awakened by the sound of a voice opening his eyes he saw that the sun had risen above him stood a woman of ravishing beauty he sprang to his feet and bowed low who are you asked princess solima for she it was and tell me how you came here with the carcass of an ox so distant from the land so high up as this tower in the sea of a truth i scarcely know answered the shepherd it may be that i am bewitched or dreaming for my adventure passes all belief and he related it the princess made no comment but motioned to him that he should follow her he did so and she placed food before him he was ravenously hungry and did full justice to the meal and then she led him to the bath chamber wash and robe thyself she said giving him some clothes and then i have much to inquire of thee the shepherd felt ever so much better when he had bathed and then attired in the strange garments she had given him he appeared before the princess she gazed at him so long and searchingly that he blushed in confusion thou art fair to look upon and of manly stature said the princess the shepherd could only stammer a reply but after a while he said fair lady who and what thou art i know not such beauty as thine is the right of princesses only i am but a poor shepherd and may not a shepherd be handsome she asked tell me who hath laid down a law that only royal personages may be fair to behold i have seen princes of vile continence she stopped suddenly for she did not wish to betray her secret they sat in a little room in the tower unknown to the many guards down below and although the shepherd protested the princess waited on him herself bringing him food and cushions on which he could rest that night next morning they ascended the tower together i come here every morning said the princess why the shepherd asked to see if my husband cometh was the answer who is he asked the shepherd the princess laughed i know not she said some mornings when i have stood here and grieved at my loneliness i have felt inclined to make a vow that i would marry the first man who came hither the shepherd was silent and then he looked boldly into the princess's eyes and said thou hast told me i am the first man who has come to thee i am emboldened to declare my love for thee 
a feeling that swept over me the moment my eyes beheld thee who thou art what thou art i know not i care not shall we be husband and wife the princess gave him her hand it is ordained she said and thus their troth was plighted we cannot remain here forever said the princess presently canst thou husband of my heart's choice devise some means of escape he looked down at the carcass of the ox thoughtfully for a few moments i have it he exclaimed excitedly it is a safe assumption that the monster bird that brought me will return for his meal he can then carry us away if the heavens approve he said fervently thus it shall be that very night the ziz returned and feasted on the ox and while it was fully occupied appeasing its hunger the shepherd managed to attach strong ropes to its legs to this he attached a large basket in which he and his bride made themselves comfortable with cushions nor did they forget to take a store of food towards morning the ziz rose slowly into the air and the lovers clutched each other tightly as the basket spun round and round the giant bird did not seem to notice its burden at all and after a moment it began a swift flight over the sea after many hours a city became visible and as it was approached the shepherd could note the excitement caused by the appearance of the ziz the bird was getting tired and having at last noticed the weight tied to its feet was evidently seeking to get rid of it flying low it dashed the basket against a tower the occupants feared they might be killed but suddenly the cord snapped the basket rested on the parapet of the tower and the bird flew swiftly away no sooner had the shepherd extricated himself and his bride from the basket than armed guards appeared at sight of the princess they lowered their weapons and fell upon their faces inform my father i have returned she said and they immediately rose to do her bidding know you where you are asked the shepherd yes this is the king's palace was the reply soon the king appeared and with almost hysterical joy he embraced his daughter i am happy to see thee again he cried i crave thy pardon for immuring thee in the sea fortress thou shalt tell me all thy adventures and then he caught sight of the shepherd who is this he demanded thy son-in-law my husband said the princess her joy showing in her bright eyes what prince art thou asked the king a prince among men answered the princess quickly a man without riches who comes from the people and will teach us their needs and how to rule them the king bowed to the inevitable he blessed his son-in-law and daughter appointed them to rule over a province and they settled down to make everybody thoroughly happy contented and prosperous End of chapter 24